Well, good evening. It's about 6 o'clock. Let's uh, begin our evening service tonight. And we're going to ask you to stand all over the house. We're going to sing an old hymn of the church. It'll be found on your screens this evening. We're going to simply just sing the old hymn of the church. I'll fly away. So let's worship the Lord. every song that is sung, every note that is played, God, every message that is given, let it be for the, the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. Father, we pray that, Lord, you would be with those tonight that are not here. Lord, there are some that wish they were here tonight, but, Lord, tonight they're not able to be here. So we ask that you would touch them tonight. Father, we ask that everything that is said and done, 
Lord, we bring glory and honor to your name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And the people of God said amen. 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 Will you take the next few moments and just welcome those around you this evening to church. Let's stand all over the house again this evening. Let's continue to worship the Lord.
Lord, we love you tonight. Lord, we give you all the praise and glory to Lord. We know, Lord, that truly being in your house, Lord, the whole purpose is to be able to have an encounter and experience with you. So that is our prayer today, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts in the midst of this service today. God, we would like to hear from heaven and know that you have visited your people today. We love you, Lord. Touching Jesus is all that matters. Oh, baby, your life will never be the same. For there is only one way to touch Him.
Not in the system, but you'll know this. And oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, oh, oh. 
you see when you see your phone blowing up and, and not in a bad way but going off at an alarming rate I always have my phone with me in the pulpit just because it helps me see the time I don't always look at the watch so I can see it on my phone and you see Brother Randy and Sister Carol and Hannah and they're going at all. you know if all those people are texting you they're not wanting to know how well you preach they don't care about how well you preach that's something's wrong when you see your wife grab for her phone and she's looking down and her eyes are as big as golf balls you know they obviously can't get a hold of me so they went to the boss they went straight to the source so you wrap it up and you, you know, move as quickly along as you can and I called and I got the intel and the whole nine yards and I'm not going to rehash the story most of you are here you know what all took place but when you hear things like EMS had to come to church you would like to think that the fire department shows up the church because everybody in the community thinks the church is on fire with the Holy Ghost you don't expect them to come because there's a problem in the room they come obviously they don't know where we are because they drove right past us they don't know where 1211 highway 52 is we might need to give our EMS some directions on where things are in Berkeley County we've only been on this property for I don't know how many years a long time we we're, got a big old sign in the front yard but um, you know we went through the, the thing and Brandon and I were on our way home we're driving home and end up getting to the hospital and you know when when we pick songs like oh how I love Jesus because he first loved me to me he is so wonderful when, when you walk into the emergency room and you ask the lady up front say hey I'm here to see sister so-and-so will you please let me in and she makes sure that it's okay in the back and you hear of how it started where there were there were health concerns there were heart issues there were seizures there were some scary moments that even some others in the church because of panic it got them a little worked up and obviously so rightfully so it's a scary thing to observe don't get me wrong but you see all of this stuff happening and and, and people are confused and you don't know what neurologists are gonna say you don't know what cardiologists are gonna say you don't know what the person to the left of you is gonna say to the person to the right of you what's gonna say you you don't know uh, anything um, that's going on you don't know what's coming what's going and you walk into the room and you're trying to just make sense of everything, if you will. And in that moment in time, you, you round the corner, you walk in, and you see that person. And yes, there's still obviously discomfort and pain, but they know who you are when you walk in the door. Because when one of the reports that earlier happened when I was in route and transit, you know, and even some of the family walked in due to just the moment of just everything happening and the stress of the body not everybody was identifiable for a minute there was who is that get them out of the room I don't know who they are but they were family they, they just didn't even recognize them at the moment in that one moment you walked in the room and they recognize you like that and they began to, to tell you you know the story again from their perspective what they remember what they don't remember you begin to think through that and you drive over to church and you start trying to get what little bit of thoughts you can I mean we've got I think Brianna dropped me off around 5:15. you're here by the time we got back from the hospital and everything you're trying to ask God okay God you got no offense God you got 45 minutes you better start talking real fast because we don't have a lot of time here and you start thinking through it all and when I sing songs like to me he's so wonderful I don't have to plan a funeral when I got back in town today I might have to do some hospital visits in the morning, check in with some cardiologist reports, but 
I didn't come home to decide about a home-going service. To me, he's so wonderful. To me, he's so wonderful. When I, you know, the old adage is when the, the cat's away, the mouse will play, you know, and Miss Ann said, Pastor, I think this is your sign. You can't go anywhere anymore. If this is what happens when you go away, I don't want to be on this list, so you better stay around for a while. We laughed about it. But the other part of me that makes it so wonderful, for the last two days I've been in two different locations. Yesterday I was in Myrtle Beach at a conference, and I sat around a table with a bunch of different pastors and leaders, and we discussed some things. And we're at this conference, and you see them and you know, all of their works, and, and, and they have blessed churches. And I walk into the church that I was at this morning, and, and they do the best of their ability with what they have, the resources they have. I told somebody here tonight when I got back, they said, how was it? I said, it was, it was fine. It was good. You know, I appreciate the opportunity. You learn real quickly. Sometimes you miscalculate how much you're really blessed at your church. I mean, when I sat there and there's no band you're singing, and then there's nothing wrong with this. That church knows that I love them. But when they, they don't have musicians. There is nobody to play. They play with YouTube videos. They play with karaoke tracks. They have to sing with just a YouTube video of somebody on the screen singing with them from a Gaither concert or whatever it may be along with them. It's not just even the track by itself with no word, with no singing and just words. It's You're singing along with the YouTube video. You get back in the car, you thank God for Randy and Carol and Jennifer and Larry and Dennis and and Brother Mike and Sister Sherry and Riley, you thank God that you got people. Even if we don't sing everything perfectly, sometimes we're flat or we're off beat, at least we got somebody to keep a beat, even if it's off beat. We got somebody to toot a horn, even if it flattens itself. We got somebody to do something. You thank God for that. You drive home and, you know, you think about it. But the other thing, the reason I love to sing songs like, to me, he is so wonderful. Yeah, the old adage just was when the cat's away, the mouse will play. But I believe with all my heart, and you can, we can sit down over a cup of coffee all day long, and you can try to convince me otherwise. And if you can, you can give me your best shot, but I'm going to tell you, you're not going to convince me otherwise. The sign of a true church is when they can function when the pastor's not there. Because if it's too much on, it rises and falls with the preacher, then that means they got preacher religion, not a heart religion with God falls on the preacher I wasn't here what I did here while I was away is multiple new people that are new to our church not necessarily new as in a visitor but are new work to this body go outside to check on her to make sure she's okay people are rallying around people are coming you know our first response team 50% of our emergency response team rode in the car with me because she was with me today so our part of our medical response team wasn't even present here because she was in my vehicle this morning so when you hear and you go and you begin to you know I know some of them are family so don't get me wrong but you hear of how many people were outside and how many people were hitting the ground running how many people got up how many people did but but you hear the church still had church and they still preached and the message was still given and souls were still hearing the gospel and people were worshiping while the rest of the church was being the church out there that's a good sign we still had church in here but church was happening on that front porch too and it even makes it better when you walk into a hospital room and you walk around the corner and you see the family and then you see some of the family that comes to church but you find church people that aren't related to the family still at the hospital that left 
went to the hospital, stayed at the hospital till I could get there, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. And when the parishioner that's laying in the bed says, Pastor, can you call sister so-and-so who's out there with me because I know she was worried about me and she got sick while worried about me. Will you FaceTime her so I can call her? And the two of them in the hospital room cry their eyes out because both of them know each other's okay. You know you pastor a good church. That's a good church. But I see someone that's on a hospital gurney that they said may have had a heart attack, had multiple seizures, etc. pick up the phone and a FaceTime and tears streaming down her face and she says, honey, you take care of those babies. You take care of that one that you're carrying. Honey, I'm going to be all right. Don't you worry. Come January, I'm going to hold that little baby in nursery. I'm going to be all right. And you see the mom on the other end crying her eyes out saying, I can't afford anything else to happen. I need somebody to be there for my little baby to teach them about Jesus. And the two of them are crying. You have to step out of the room because you can't let them see you cry. That's when you know you go to a good church. You're not just a number. You become family at that point. And then you get to the property today, and you get to your office, and you get a sheet of paper every week that says who's here and who's not. And obviously there was various people that may not have been here today, and you start reading, brother and sister so-and-so were absent, but brother and sister so-and-so were here, and this family was not, but this family was. And you go through, but our, our sheet is front and back, and you read the whole front, and you realize some of them, you know where they are, where Sister Lila Faye, like she was out today because of Brother Dubby having some health concerns, and he's home, and doing a little bit better, but he kept having some issues with some blood sugars and some blood pressures and et cetera, and, and you flip the sheet over, and you begin to read. You get to the section that, where we write down the miscellaneous people who are not on the sheet every week, and you read of visitors that you had three weeks ago that hadn't been in a while, and we thought maybe they had went on somewhere else, but... We didn't freeze them out of church. The same blanket Sister Ann gave them a couple weeks ago, they found again, and they came back to church with that blanket. Praise God for our blankets. I was at a church this morning. I told Brianna, I said, they love their air conditioning in this place. I thought I needed a fur coat. It was so cold in that room. You start reading down that list, and you get to the bottom. Last name on my sheet says Sadie Purdue. Think about a month ago when you stood in a hospital room on a Thursday night and had to tell a 10-year-old little girl she's going to have to have brain surgery. And it's a tumor the size of an orange. And we don't know how hard it's going to be to extrapolate it, but we hope to God we can get it out and then there might be we have to send it off and hope that it's benign and if it isn't we're going to have to do chemo and she's more worried about her hair than anything else and you're trying to walk through this road of keeping mama and daddy on the ground and family on the ground and for a solid week you're there every day and you go and you check you're there early in the mornings for surgery you're there for follow-ups you're you're there and, and and thank god that it all turned out the way it did and we have praised god for that and then you hear this past week that that little girl whose brain tumor that was the size of an orange at the base of her brain went back to school. Three weeks after surgery, or for a month after surgery, walks into class and is able to go back to school and hadn't missed a beat in her intelligence level. Still as smart as a whip. Still as sassy as she's ever been. 
get to the bottom of that piece of paper and you flip it over and you realize that in church today, someone who just a week or just a month earlier was laying waiting for brain surgery. That's a good God. That's a really good God. That's a really good God. And you say, Pastor, you're just stalling the inevitable because you don't want to preach tonight. No, no, sometimes while I love to preach and and that's wonderful. And don't get me wrong, I preach this morning, I preach all the time. Anytime the doors open and somebody asks, I go. But sometimes it ain't about what I have to say. God said enough. I mean, I can say all the, I could preach to you for the next 30 minutes how good God is, but God showed us enough. I could stand up here all night and say, oh, I want to tell you how faithful he is and how, how much he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide. And I could preach to you that he's Jehovah Rapha, the God that he is. I could preach it all day long, but I don't have to. He did today. He preached his own message today. He let tragedy, it seemed like, happen in front of us, but he took care of it and he brought healing to the same house where tragedy was going to strike today. So somewhere on this property, there was someone who had already experienced the healing of God and someone who was going to see God's hand heal them because God knew who was going to be here today. What else could I say to that? The God that heals brought those he's healed to church. And those that needed healing, he took care of at church today. I could stand here all day and preach. Put your trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. Always acknowledge Him. But He did. He proved that today too. We didn't know what's going to happen when we arrived at the hospitals. We didn't know from point A to point B would there be more seizures, would there be more whatever. But God was already on the scene. Now by the time I walk in, they're wanting to make phone calls and check on everybody else in the church rather than worried about their own problems. That's trusting God when you're not even worried about it because you know he's got it under control. I can stand up here all night and preach to you how wonderful he is, how glorious he is, how majestic he is, how his name is great and greatly to be praised. He's a God that supplies all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it till the very end. If God be for you, who could be against you when the enemy rises up like a flood, like a standard God will raise up against him? I mean, I could say all of those things. But God did it himself today. He preached today. Oh, I know. He's like, oh, Pastor, you've lost your mind because Brother Ard was here this morning and he preached a word to us. And, he, and I'd watched the majority. I didn't get to see all of the service traveling back because I'm in between phone calls but I watched enough oh yes he preached a good word today but God preached a better one I love him to death don't get me wrong he's family but I guarantee you if I could bring him here tonight and ask him uh, did your sermon go better today or does God when he speaks for himself go better today and I'm pretty sure he'd agree with me today God always preaches his message better than we do it we're human we can mess it up we're fallible we can misquoted sometimes we may when God preaches it it's a whole lot better than when we preach it every time look I get it people come to church they want a word from God you hear people all the time say I want a word from God I told somebody the other week probably didn't make them happy but it's okay I heard somebody talking they were having a conversation with someone and they said I'm just 
I've been praying and I've been asking God, God, give me a word. I just need a word from God. And I looked at him and I said, he did. There's 66 books you can start with. We're always looking for a word, a rhema word, a fresh word. But the Bible tells me that when I need it, this word will come to life. It's, it's an active word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing the joint and marrow. And it's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible tells me that this is an active, alive, a living word. And so when I need it, whatever I need, it's somewhere in these pages that God's already given me a word. Now, I'm not saying God can't speak to you a, a confirmational word or, or speak something into your heart. But the Bible said in that same self hour, when you don't know, the Spirit of God can remind you of the thing that you've committed to memory and the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance that which you've put into your care so it still means God's given us a word a word people talk about a word I want a word from God you know a lot of people expect when they come to church or the pastor or the guest speaker or the preacher or the evangelist or whoever revivalist whatever you call it they're going to bring the house down with a word from heaven. I have heard lots of good preachers in my lifetime. For the vast majority of my life, from the time I was born, basically, until I was about five and a half, six years old, I sat under Pastor Bruce Fox, who's actually the one that's going to be preaching at Carnage Crossroads this week in revival that Brother Andy mentioned to you all this week. I sat under him, great preacher, great preacher. By the time I was six until the time I turned 18, I sat under my dad. By the time I turned 18, I moved off to Charleston Southern to start my travel. So most of the time I was on the road. But when I wasn't on the road from the time of that college years of 18 to 21, uh, whenever I was going home, I went home. And still he was the preacher. Now we'd have guests, evangelists, or preachers, or whatever, like everybody else. But he was the primary shepherd of the house. By the time I was 21... I moved off to Pennsylvania, sat under another pastor, stayed there for a little about a year or so, came back to South Carolina, sat under my dad for a while, and, and again, and then ended up making the transition here. I have sat under camp meeting speakers like Dr. Tim Hill. I have sat under camp meeting speakers like T. Wayne Doherty. I have sat under people that, that are, are, are in the, the, if you will, denominational circles, powerhouse preachers. Sat under all of them. Heard every message, just about. That we were riding in the car today, and I had put somebody else. Somebody was preaching, somebody that we know, my wife and I know, that preaches. We, were, we flipped up to a church that they were preaching at today, and Brianna said, I bet you I can tell you what sermon they're preaching in the points. I said, how do you think? She said, because every time we listen to this guy preaching here at the church for the last year, he's preached on this topic. And sure as you're born, he said, I want you to open up your Bibles and turn to something. She said, he's going to say the church, the title of his message is, and as soon as she got it out of her mouth, he said, and the title of my message is, and she said, see, I told you. I mean, it was predictable. I'm not saying the word can't be effective at other locations. I get it. I've sat under preachers all my life. I want to tell you something. I've sat under good ones, real good ones. None of them preach as good as the Lord. They just don't. They might preach and the altar calls may flood, but when God comes down, their message meant nothing compared to what God did. They might have set the tone, they might have set the atmosphere, they might have made a way, they might have prodded the ground or, 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 or tilled the ground, they, they may have broken up the fallow ground, they may have worked the soil, they might have been the one to get it ready, but when God stepped in the room, that preacher had nothing on what God was about to do, nothing. 
I've been to services where we didn't even get past the first song and God stepped in and said, I'll take this from here. Growing up as a kid, I can't tell you, there have been many a time, Sunday morning, but mostly on Sunday night, but it happened on Sunday morning occasionally. You didn't even get past the opening hymn or the opening praise and worship chorus and, and it preacher at the time he just had to shut his bible put it on the on the on the roster on the side or put it by his chair or whatever because he knew and everybody else in the room knew there ain't no point in even trying to do anything this is god's show at this point forward i'm going to step back and i'm going to let him take center stage and you talk about having church now you don't think i'm getting here getting ready to tell you that i want us to be some super spiritual charismatic church where the preacher never preaches because that's counterintuitive of the word of god too because the Bible said after they had the throwdown at Acts chapter 2, Peter said, now good, now that all of y'all have had the Holy Spirit fall, sit down. I'm going to tell you what just happened. And he preached and added 5,000 more souls to the kingdom because he didn't want anybody to leave confused. What was happening? So he began to expound on that and he preached Jesus. I've seen where preachers preached and it set up the room but I've seen it where God walked into the room before they did and they had to step back I've also seen it where God was absolutely in the room but because a man or a woman wanted to actually preach or they wanted to have their words spoken they have actually quenched the moving of the spirit by stopping it in its tracks so that they could be heard there is that two sides of every coin I'll tell you, every time I've been in a service when God was moving, I may not could ever remember what the scripture was the preacher preached, if he got to preach. I can't tell you every sermon I've ever heard, every title. I mean, if it's predictable, after a while I might know where you're going to preach every Monday night. But other than that, I, I may not can remember every message. I might have to go back to my iPad or my notebook and find it. But I can tell you, I can almost right now take you to locations, spots in rooms places on carpets even if they've remodeled the building I could almost take you to the spot and tell you what they looked like at one point at that building where God and I had conversations those were imprinted I could almost right now take you to Malden South Carolina to the old home for children gymnasium where they were having kids camp meeting when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I can almost tell you where in the gym my chair was sitting. Even though it might be a basketball gym right now, I could almost take you where the, the, the chair was sitting. I could walk you right now to Oakley Road. I could walk you to Oakley Road Ministries. To that time was Oakley Road Church God. I could walk you under the awning uh, into the old building where they had the kids' classrooms. On the first classroom on the left, I could literally take you in there where they had the multicolored little chairs, the blue, the yellow, the orange, the little metal multicolored. And with an old wooden table, not like those back there. I'm talking about the old wooden tables, the ones that are heavy. And you thought you had to lift weights to pick them up because they were so heavy. And, and I could take you to the spot where I was sitting, and my chair was yellow. Somebody else had blue and orange, and I got yellow because I didn't like blue, but I was mad because I didn't get blue. It was yellow. But where on that Wednesday night, Carla Wren and Miss Pam Beckham had been tag team and teaching in that classroom and on that night Miss Carla was teaching about Jesus dying on the cross and she was talking about how when we make mistakes and things like that and I can tell you at that yellow chair I can walk in the room even if that chair's not in there now I can tell you which part in that room I was sitting when I told Miss Carla I said Miss Carla I want to know Jesus at four I, I can take you to that chair it may not be in that room anymore but I can take you to a spot where that chair once sat I remember I can take you to Israel Church of God, even though they've recently done a remodel, I could take you to the church right now. 
the spot, if you're facing the stage just like this, to the spot on my right-hand side, if you're looking at me, to the spot on a carpet. Whereas from the stage, I'm playing the piano about the same side of the stage that ours is on, on the left-hand side of the stage. But where Andrew Boffman, who used to come to this church, but one Sunday night, he had been battling in his spirituality, and there were some things going on in his life, and whatever, but he left his pew, and he walked, there. we had four sets, so we had two center sections, and uh, two outside sections, where he walked down that outside row, and he went to the right-hand side, right by the ficus tree, that was sitting there, and he began to pray, and he began to ask God, and before long, he kind of had moved his way over to this side of the stage, near where the piano was, but by the time service ended, and he was on this side of the floor, I could take you to the spot where he was laying, where he was so slain in the spirit, and what we in the old day called drunk in the spirit, he could not stand himself up, and his father, and my father, and a couple of the teenage boys had to pick him up and put him in his dad's vehicle to drive him from about his here, from about where we are here to Parker's gas station, about how far they live from the church, and had to drive him home, take him upstairs into his room, because he still couldn't stand on his own power, where he's speaking in tongues with a heavenly language, put him to bed, speaking in tongues with a heavenly language, woke up the next morning, and still speaking in tongues with a heavenly language, to where his mother was concerned how was he going to get on the bus without and had to go to Woodland High School because she was afraid he'd get beat up at Woodland if they heard him talking like this and she's terrified he's still shouting and praising the Lord speaking in tongues getting in dress goes out the house speaking in tongues but as soon as his foot hit the black step of the bus it was like God said okay he was able to go to school but when he got back home from school and he stepped off the bus he just shouted his wealth right back on into his house I could take you to the spot where his house is. His parents don't own that house anymore, but I could take you to that front yard where we dropped him off. I could walk you in the Ridgeville Church of God today, walk you through the aisle. I could take you to the classroom. If you come through the foyer, you make a, if you come into the main foyer, you make a right to go down the hallway leading to the auditorium on the first door on your left. used to be the nursery. I could take you to the spot in that nursery where we used to have an old TV stand with a cart that had a VCR underneath it. And where they used to keep it in that room. But I can take you to the spot where on a Sunday night, we're in the middle of worship. I just, we had just finished worship. The pastor was reading his scripture and was getting ready to preach. And I was playing the music, kind of like Miss Carol behind the preacher. And about that time, the double door swung open with our nursery workers, with Andrew carrying his limp little brother, Ethan, who is limp in his body, face already turning blue. Andrew is screaming, Brother Keith, Brother Keith comes flying in with a limp baby that had fell in the nursery and hit his head and literally lost all consciousness, stopped breathing, was turning blue. I can take you to the spot where we laid him at the Ridgeville Church of God where Sister Julia Witzke came on the second pew on the left-hand side of the church out of her pew, shouting and speaking in tongues, claiming the, the, what the psalmist David said, he shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. I tell you the scriptures, he quoted, this baby shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. And she shouted her way all the way across while my mom's trying to do the medical CPR stuff and checking for breathing and airways. And Sister Witzke didn't care about medicine. She didn't care about the doctor. She didn't care about EMS. She just walked over there it says this baby shall live and not die declare the works of the Lord and when she placed his hand her hand on that little limp about two year old little boy that baby gasped for breath and has never had a mental capability issue since never had to do a follow up just about three years ago graduated from high school and now is serving as an officer in, in New Mexico I can take you to the spot where his life was almost taken but Jesus said this baby shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord I can take you to that spot I can't tell you every sermon I heard preached. I can take you to those spots, those places. 
See, most of you in this house, I'm not stupid. You're not going to remember every sermon that's preached here. I'm not dumb. I, I can ask my wife on the way home, hey, what did I preach two weeks ago? I don't know. You were in the building. See, you think I pay attention? You preach all week. I, I, you think I paid attention? She, she, she couldn't remember. She won't remember every sermon. Many of you, unless you're a note taker like Sister Jennifer, why it is, and other, if you don't take notes, you may forget some of the scriptures, or you may make notes in your margins of your Bible. You may forget messages, but you won't forget moments with God. Messages will come and go, but moments with God are never forgotten. There's a difference. I can give you a message from God, but when God gives you a moment of His time, you don't forget that moment. I can take you to this spot in this house on a Sunday morning in December. We were preaching the Christmas story, or preaching about Christmas, beginning the series, and it was around Christmas, first of the year. And I hadn't done it at the time. I, I was probably, probably it was 2019, in COVID years, we kind of were in flux. I was probably it was December 2019, but I remember it was December. I could take you to the spot where that Sunday I decided I wanted a prayer line. I lined everybody on this side, and I stood on that side. And I could take you to the spot where I was standing that particular Sunday morning. Just go with me. I'm, I'm almost through, and we're going to pray. I could take you to the spot where I had laid my Bible right here. It was black that particular Sunday, if you want to know. The reason I know it was black is because I, I obviously tonight it didn't work because I didn't get to go back home. But I always color coordinate my Bibles with my suit. If I'm wearing black stuff that has black shoes and black belts, I use a black Bible. If I'm using navy blue or anything that can go with burgundy, I go with burgundy. And that Sunday I was in a black suit, so it was a black Bible. I know that much. Today I asked my wife, as soon as we stepped out at the church, we were stepping out there, I opened the back door and I said, oh my goodness. She said, what? I said, I forgot it. She said, forgot what? I said, my Bible. She said, your Bible's right there. I said, that's not the right one. It's not black. My suit's black. It, it has black in it. She said, seriously, do you color coordinate your Bibles? I said, yes, I do with my outfit. It's that serious. But I can take you to that Sunday morning. The line started right here. During that particular Sunday, Brother Larry and Sister Jennifer had some things going on with his sister at the time, with her health. They had, so this was long before the situation with Sister Jennifer's dad. And they started through the line, and I had people lined up in the row. And I told people, if you don't know what this is, it's an old-fashioned prayer line. So whatever you have need of, the people on the sides, I want you to just make points of contact. I can take you to the spot. It's about right here. They stood right here. They had come from brokenness. They had come from church hurts. They had come from some situations, family dynamics, a lot of stuff. And I took my Bible and put it on the center of their, their chest. I put it right on Brother Larry's chest. I put my hand on Sister Jennifer's forehead. And they broke before God in this spot right here. Right here. I can't tell you what the sermon was that Sunday. But I can tell you who was standing here after I got done preaching. Right there. Right here. Not over there. Right here. I don't even remember, I'm sure it was about Jesus' birth, but I can tell you, I remember when Jesus showed up right here. That moment right here. I could take many, uh, time would not permit me to go through. Spots in this building, spots on this property, spots all over the place. But God had moments. Moments. I don't remember what the message was that Sunday, but I remember moment I remember one Sunday morning 
Sister Ann and some others were up here praying for somebody else's need. They weren't even praying for themselves. Praying for somebody else's need. And I felt impressed to just pray for other people. And right about right here, Miss Ann was standing here. I don't even remember who was praying. She was about right here. But somehow I was able to get the person she was praying with to the side. And Miss Ann had never been filled with the Holy Spirit. She didn't know what that meant. I mean, she heard us preach about it, but she never experienced it. Right about right here, we had a little conversation with a muted microphone, and she was talking about, I really want to know what that feels like. I want to know that, that part of Jesus. I got my Bible. I asked her to hold it. And I remember, it had nothing to do with this Bible. This Bible is, yes, it's God's Word, but I mean, it's nothing special than your Bible you carry. It's, it's, it's not because it was my Bible. Remember, I handed it to her, and I began to pray, and I remember my Bible somehow ended up on a pew. I don't even know how I got on the pew, and I remember her shouting her way and screaming to the top of her lungs. I mean, I'm talking about I had never heard that woman raise her voice to anything. I didn't even know she knew how to yell. And began to cry and shout all over this front. And say, and when the service was over, I never felt anything like that, but I'm going to tell you, I got something today. I got something. And watched her work her way all over this front. I remember that. I remember the message. I wasn't even a good one if you want to know the truth. But I remembered the moment. The time permitted me to get a microphone and have you tell it. You may not remember every message I've preached, but I guarantee you many of you have had moments that you can go back to an old church, an old prayer closet, an old pew. They may not look the same as they did back when, but you could almost go to those buildings and you could point to where it was at in that building, even if it ain't the same look as it used to be. Some of you know where all, which altar you were in, what church you got saved, the church you got filled with the Spirit, the church you, you could walk to that place today. You may not remember the preacher that night. You may not remember the message he preached, but you remember the God-ordained moment you had that day. You listen to me very carefully, and I'm done. I'll let you go. I don't care if you remember Pastor Art's message this morning or not, while I hope every time... When people preach this, people retain something. I don't care if you hear any other message. I mean, if you hear my message, is great. But next Sunday, I don't care if you remember anything I say. But don't forget the moment we saw today where God was on this property. I have been on properties where tragedy struck and you weren't certain how it would play out. Thankfully for little Ethan at the time, God restored life to that limp baby. But today, God gave, if you will, another miracle to Sister Ann. Well, it could have been far worse. I've got friends of our family that I know that has horrible seizures. I've seen people seize and not come back out of seizures. I've seen people with heart attacks. They don't survive them. Today, in this house, Hearts may have failed. Seizures may have been made known. But God was in the room. When the heart failed, when the seizures took place, while everybody's doing the right thing, medical, and calling, and pray. This morning, a young lady who is of Hispanic faith, in terms of her ethnicity, to come to this church, somehow in the process found a prayer cloth. I don't know if she got it off the communion table. 
I don't know if she got off the connection center, but somehow when all of the chaos is happening, she took that cloth with no one looking and she slid it into the bra of Sister Anne right where her heart would be and laid that cloth. I said, Preacher, how do you know that? Because when I got to the hospital today, there was a cloth with our church name on it with the scripture verse laying on her gurney. And I said, Sister Ann, how did you get that? She said, I don't know. It was in my clothes. And somebody said, Sister Tan, I said, oh, that, yeah, Sister Vanessa slid that in there. And I said, well, where was it at? She said, it was on this side in my bra. You know where this side is? Where her heart is located. While we're all trying our best to do the right thing, God was right by her heart. He was taking care of her heart. I'm telling you, those are the moments we don't forget. That we may not remember messages, but when, whether it's two weeks, two months, two years, whenever Sister Ann walks back in this church, I guarantee you she's going to remember which pew she was sat on when the heart started failing. I bet you she could point you to what was going on. I bet you she could tell you about what part of the service it happened. Because that was a moment she'll never forget. But if she comes back with her strength and ability to come back, she'll also be able to stand in here and say, but God, look, I'm back here today because God has seen me through. She won't forget God took her through it too. That moment. Sometimes the moments are not our God-ordained moments. Sometimes they're right in front of us. If we just look, they're right in front of us. To the average person, they might have been like, well, Pastor, you had medical people in your church. They were quick. They jumped on it. And you had first responders get here now they got aspirin in her system and they got nitroglycerins on, on standby and all this. That's great. But if God didn't want it to work, it wouldn't have worked either. We got medicine. Well, I've seen people all the time be on every medicine they possibly known to man and still it didn't help. Yeah, that might have been what God used to help the process, but don't you be fooled in thinking God wasn't the reason that this didn't have a bad ending. It was the reason. God, God was the reason this thing was the way it was. See, that's why I can say things like, to me, he's so wonderful because our church rallied. People took care of each other. That's what the church is designed to do. And then, in all of the midst of the chaos, all of the midst of the church, the, 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 if you will, the, tr the tragedy of today's event, God is still seen as in control. Still had it under control. And I... It's funny because when I was leaving the hospital, I was talking to Miss Ann, and I was just asking her, you know, when did you feel it, and all these different things. And she said, Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you. She said, I was worshiping the Lord. I had my hands lifted. My chest started hurting. I thought about sitting down. She said, and I said into my, into my heart, so I didn't say it out loud, she said, but I told myself, devil, I'm not gonna, you're not going to stop me from worshiping God today. So the devil thought the next best thing he could do, well, I'll make sure she sits down this time. He made it a little worse. When I left the hospital, she said, still here, still not going to stop praising God. You can't tell me God doesn't know what he's doing. Here's what I want to leave you with, and then we're going to pray. I don't know what you've ever experienced in your life. Some of you it may have been a long time since you've had that God-ordained moment. For some of you, it may have been recently you've had God-ordained moments. To Sadie's parents, God-ordained moments is less than a month ago. They had a God-ordained moment. 
whether they admit to it or not or understand the complexities of it or not, less than a month ago, Sadie's family had a God-ordained moment when the surgery was less time than they said it was going to be. All of it was gotten without having to take multiple surgeries, and everything came back benign. We got way more than we bargained with God for. That was a God-ordained moment. Brothers, it you, it may have been years since you had a God-ordained moment. People like Miss Nina, God-ordained moments came when they were able to figure out she had some inner ear infection issues, and she was able to get some things, try to figure out some things, and try to work out some things, and she could come to church again because she couldn't drive for a while, and she couldn't go anywhere. She couldn't bring Miss Joanne, and we all had to bring Miss Joanne, and we didn't mind. Don't get me wrong. But for her, sitting at home, that was, a, that was a, a struggle. She looked forward to being at church. She looked forward to being around here. She looked forward to being a part of the church. But, but for her, her God-ordained moments when she can come to the church community yard sales and sit out here and have hot dogs with her church family because she could drive herself to come to it that day. And she could sit out here with us half of the afternoon. And she could come to church the next day with Miss Joy. It doesn't have to, she don't have to go a long way to find out when God gave her moments and seconds, chances to know Jesus. Sure, absolutely. God tell me she doesn't have a moment. That's a moment. Everyone in this room, if you search your heart long enough, you can find a time. You know, God had a moment for Wayne. God's ordained moment was through CLM. Where life brought him to Berkeley County and brought him to a CLM and he went through a program and had to learn over 90 verses in a short amount of time and he was able to learn about Jesus in a different way and give his heart to Jesus. To him, that would have been a God moment. His life was changed by the power of Jesus Christ. That was a moment. A moment for Brenda Burbage is when about three months after I was here, the doctor told her that she likes to play the tambourine. The doctor told her she's going to have to have surgery because she's got a torn rotator cuff. She can't move her hand. She couldn't even get it literally to probably put her shirt on above right about where I got my hand here. There's no way you're going to rip your hands. There's no way you're going to beat it with all your shoulders and all that stuff. You can't do anything. And she's like, Pastor, I really don't want to have surgery, but I don't know. They're telling me that basically all the cartilage is gone and I've torn the rotator cuff and all this kind of stuff. And her arm's not really, she said it hurts and she's got it all, you know, with, with, the, with the braces and everything else. And she talks about how much painful it was. And I said, you know what, let's just pray about it. We started praying about it. When was surgery? Still hadn't had surgery, and you know, seen she hadn't missed really playing the tambourine, and she's out here lugging flowers around, and she's picking up buckets and hoses and things like that. But somebody with a torn rotator cuff, I think she's doing pretty good. She's doing really good. That's a moment. See, I don't know what yours is, but you hear me, and but don't miss those moments with God, because I promise you that God's not still through giving us moments. Some of you, your moment may come tomorrow. There'll come a day, I don't know when, it may be six months from now, it may be a year from now, there'll come a day that we're going to tear up this entire front yard, or if we can't do it here, God's going to bless us like some of these other churches with some church, other church that goes out of business because they can't 
keep their bills up or whatever and the church getting ready to be mortgaged off and they see 500 seat sanctuary and they call us and says we need somebody and we, we're max capacity and God's going to open up and give us an opportunity. There's going to come a day we're going to have to figure out how to handle this building because God's going to give us a moment. I mean, I got my report today, 60 people were in this building and half of the people that I looked on the missing list were people that come every Sunday. We counted up and there'd have been 86 people in church today including me if I'd have just been here this morning. I mean, you put 86 people in this place, somebody's going to know if you took a shower recently or not, okay? You can't, hide, you, can't corner, you can't spread out in 86 people in here. That's tight. That's a moment. Whatever your moment is, I want you this week, this is my challenge to you, whatever your moments were, I want you this week to try to remember some of those moments and go back and say, God, I don't know if I've told you enough lately. Thank you for that moment that moment because every one of our lives could be drastically different had it not been for God intercepting that moment had it not been for God finding us at that point in time had it not been for God walking into our situation at that moment it might have been different so thank God for his intervention at that moment that moment and if you say pastor I can't remember if you got saved then thank God he found you when you needed a savior at that moment but also, my challenge to you is this week, look for God-ordained moments. They may not always be big. They may not be a hard situation at church. They may be something subtle, a, a, a check in the mail, a card you didn't expect to get, an unexpected phone call of encouragement. Whatever it is, don't overlook the moment, but always keep your eyes open for those moments that you can say, that's a moment with It's a moment. It's a moment. Every time Sandy Briggs walks out of her house onto a step that she didn't have to pay for, somebody else donated, you don't think she's going to remember that's a moment? Every time she has to go in the house with steps that she didn't have to put in, that's a moment. It's a moment. Dennis Clark, the moment was heart surgery. And they tell you, you may not even survive heart surgery, but yet he's playing the bass every Sunday in a church basically living on borrowed time from a heart from somebody else on borrowed time but God restored the year that the canker worm and the lotus worm God gave him life if you will again that's that's a that's a pretty big moment it's a moment people that have had car accidents that's a moment God spared them y'all have moments Brianna's grandmother this week had a stroke it could have been worse she's home she's doing much better but that's a moment I can look back and say, I remember when she was stroked and she was kind of confused, weren't sure what was happening. God took care of it. That's a moment. How many of you have those two? Thank God for your moments this week if you can. And keep your eyes open for those, even if they're not big. Anytime you see that moment take place and it's that moment, you know it was God. Whatever it's at, even, you don't have to say it out loud. I mean, if you want to, that's fine. But when that happens, just even in your spirit, just Thank you, God, for this moment. You're blessed with a financial gift. You're blessed with a text message of encouragement. And you're blessed with an unexpected promotion at job, at the job. When you're blessed with an email that's just something you didn't expect, when someone just is giving you some, some love and encouragement, whatever it may be, just in that moment, say, God, thank you 
this moment. Let's pray. Father, God, I thank you for the moments you've given this church. Moments of healing. Moments of restoration. Moments of salvations. Moments of regenerate hearts. Father, I thank you for the moments of people that have been healed under this umbrella of a church. Healed of cancer. Healed of rotator cuff surgeries. Healed of brain tumors. Under this house. This place of worship. God, there are so many of us in this room. We still have needs. We still have families walking difficult roads. We still have siblings walking difficult roads. We still have children walking difficult roads. We still got people battling their own health concerns and, and diagnoses and prognoses. And there's still needs in the house. But if the Bible, your word tells us you're the same yesterday, today, forevermore, and the God that did it can do it again. And so, God, if, if you've healed cancer before, you can heal it again. If you've restored marriages before, you can restore them again. If you brought healing to people's lives before, you can do it again. There's nothing short of your hand can't do. You can, you can do it again. God, thank you for these moments in our time. Thank you for the moment you saved us. Thank you for the moment you found us. Thank you for the moment you sanctified us. And if you, for those that are spirit-filled, thank you for the moment you filled us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the moments you protected our children. You watched over them when it could have been so much worse. Thank you for the moments you protected our spouses, our siblings. Thank you for the moments you protected us on the roadways and the highways with the chaos and craziness of people. Thank you for the moments that you have navigated our life's journey to get us to see you more clearly. Thank you for the moments in this church where we have experienced your presence and the fullness of your presence capacities we couldn't have otherwise had without you here. God, thank you for the moments that we share as a worship team, volunteers, people that come together each week. Thank you for those moments. Thank you for the moments we get to share in worshiping on Sundays and Wednesdays together. Thank you for the moments we get to have community together with fellowship dinners and snack nights and, and, and pillars breakfasts and and community events together. Thank you for the moments of family and fellowship and community. And God, for each person that's representing this house today, Lord, I ask that you would help remind them this week of their moments. The moments you've intercepted and intervened in their lives and you created a moment. Remind them of those days. For the ones that shared it tonight, God, thank you that you gave them their moment. That moment. God, when we leave this place, not only let us thank you, but let us have the opportunity to, Father, experience these moments time after time after time again. Father, I pray you would bless us and you'd keep us. You'd make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts. Let the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and redeemer, in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. Everyone together said amen. And then before you're dismissed, let me give you a couple um, announcements, and then we'll pray our benedictory prayer. Don't forget, this Saturday at Little Pappy's is our pillars meeting at 830. Uh, at Little Pappy's uh, here amongst Corner at 830. Uh, if you're 55 and above, uh, 
you're a part of that group. And so we're going to have fellowship together, and we're going to uh, just enjoy some coffee and omelets and eggs and bacon and all that stuff. So the 22 nets, it should be the 28th. Is that right? 28th. So 28th, I'm, I'm early. The 28th, my dates are running together. Don't come this Saturday. Come on the 28th. But what I do really want to remind you of is Family Fest is coming up. And Miss Jeannie and some of them have so asked me so much to help uh, announce this. We're still collecting lots of candy. We're wanting to do hot dogs, so we're going to need hot dogs again and hot dog buns and uh, some condiments and things like that. We're, we're working through all the logistics. So we sign up sheets and all that stuff for what we need. But please, 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 um, if you can work, and, and when I say work, it's not going to be hard stuff. We may just need you to help you know put ice in cups or we may just need just simple things you know just all those kind of things if you can help volunteer let us know or bring anything let us know uh that as well for all of those that were here this morning thank you for holding the fort down till we were able to get back and uh, continue to pray for sister lila Faye and brother Dubby and miss ann and all of those that still need a touch from the lord pray for them as well all the other announcements i think brother randy covered them this morning and let you know what's going on there's calendars back there you don't need to know anything look on the calendar go to the website all that stuff is on there for that. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Mike King to close us out in prayer just to give me a chance to get to the back door. Immediately following that, you're free to be dismissed, and we hope to see you Wednesday uh, morning at 10 a.m. for prayer and those that can come to that. And if you can't, then we hope to see you Wednesday night for Bible study as well. God bless you. Brother Mike.